Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Well, good morning, Grace Fellowship. I hope you would agree that he is worthy of it all. The question is, have we been giving him all? Don't answer that. I think it's time that we give him all. If not now, when? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness to us today. I thank you that you are a great God, one who is filled with love, patience, and kindness, and gentleness for his children. Lord, we acknowledge before you that we've been sleepy. Not only that, but we've been deceived. Your church has been exiled into Babylon, Lord, because we have bought into so much religious confusion, so much religious complexity that we have allowed ourselves to be divided. Father, bring us out of Babylon back to Jerusalem, back to our simple and deep love for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are a God who restores his people. You've promised if we return to you, you will return to us. Break down the walls in us, Lord, that the wall of fellowship may be built up again. Thank you, Lord, that you are at work. Thank you, Lord, that you are providing leadership. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one whom we can trust in. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord, how you would have us move and help us to count you worthy of it all. You are the faithful one. We lift this whole message to you, for I know apart from you I can do nothing, but in you I can do all things. So I profess your blood, your name, and your Holy Spirit over this time now, that only you would speak. Get me out of your way, Lord. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. So family of God, I want you to understand something that our nation, our nation was founded with deep roots in faith in Jesus Christ. Now, some of you you know, you've bought into a little paradigm that says a pastor in a church shouldn't even talk about our nation. That a pastor in our church should just kind of stay in his little corner and not speak about things in the culture that have been relocated now to the paid professionals, the politicians. But I have to tell you, I'm not that kind of guy. And I have to tell you something. That's not the way that the Lord would have us live in the context of his kingdom. Now, by the way, if you're getting a little nervous, I'm not going to be endorsing any candidates up here. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be like talking about political lines, but I am going to be talking about the state of our culture, the state of our nation. You know, the president does that, the state of the nation, right? So pastors ought to have a little handle on the state of our culture, on the state of our nation. But I do want you to understand something. Our culture was founded on a deep and abiding faith in God. And I believe that we are in, in a national disaster right now. 
And I, I reason I think we are in that national disaster is because we have forgotten the rock upon which we were built. You understand that our founding mothers and fathers had a deep and abiding faith in Jesus Christ. Now, not all of them. I'm not going to have all the arguments with you. But if you go look in the history, you cannot help but to see the words of our founding mothers and our founding fathers proclaiming the goodness of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I know there's an attempt by the evil one to rewrite our history. But he won't succeed. In many instances, we removed God from our public squares. We've removed him from our culture. We've even removed him from our lives. And you know what? We've even removed him from our lips in the name of political correctness. You all know what the frog in the pot analogy is? All right, I'm going to say it because not everybody shook their head. You take a frog and you throw him in a pot of boiling water. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to jump out. Why? It's hot. And he feels it right away. Now, if you take a frog and you put him in a pot of cold water and you turn the heat up slowly over time, guess what he's going to do? Sit there and perish. The enemy's crafty, children of God. He's not going to throw you in a pot of hot boiling water right away. What he's going to do together for us as a church, he's going to put us in cold water and he's going to turn the heat up a little bit at a time. Why? So we don't notice incrementally what is happening. And that's what's been happening in our culture. That's what's been happening in some of our homes. That's what's been happening in our nation is that the enemy has established strongholds and footholds in our culture. Now, we've known this. We've seen this together. But yet, for some reason, we refused to wake up together. And I'm praying that now is the time. Listen to these words from Proverbs. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. And further that, the ways of unrighteousness lead to judgment. Lead to judgment. That's not a very popular word. Anybody like talk about judgment in the workplace? You bring it up, the judgment of God. People don't really like find that to be a very popular notion because we want to kind of like make God what we want him to be. But the scripture is clear. If a nation does not turn to God, that nation will experience the judgment of God. Now, help me understand the judgment of God is mercy. Why? Because God longs to bring people to himself. So when God allows us to experience the consequences of our choices, we experience great pain. Is anybody in pain yet? Maybe a couple people. That's a question I have for us today is how much pain does it take for us to cry out to God? If not now, when? We have to understand though, God is filled with mercy. And if we repent and if we return, forgiveness will come, salvation will come, healing will come, revival will come, restoration will come. It is the foundation on which these words are built. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now, that's a critical statement. Why? Because it doesn't say if the world would get their act together, then everything would be okay. 
You see, as believing people, what we often get duped into thinking is somehow the answer is found in those people getting their act together. Do you expect people who are not followers of Jesus Christ to act like they're followers of Jesus Christ? The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And that church is sitting in this room right now. That church is online right now. And I place before you that I think that church has been sleeping. I think we become comfortable and we become numb. I'm not saying we're not doing good things for the glory of God. I'm not negating the the good things that Jesus Christ has been doing here on planet Earth. There are beautiful things that Jesus Christ has been doing here on planet Earth. But guess what? We have not stepped up together. We have not stepped up together. And as a result of it, our nation is flailing. Don't hang it on the politicians. Don't hang it on the rioters. Don't hang it on these people over here. Hang it on the church of Jesus Christ. That doesn't come with judgment. I don't say that with judgment. I say that with the fact that if we're the hope of the world, how are we doing? If Jesus Christ has called us light and salt of the world, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. How are we doing? I'll lay you 10 to 1. There's one primary reason why we're flailing around. It's because we are not unified. Why are we not unified? I think we've been exiled in Babylon. Babylon was a place of many religions. It was a place of religious complexity. God's people had been exiled in Babylon. And religious complexity creates one thing. It's called confusion. And outside of that confusion, it's called division. And so what we've done in our time in Babylon is we've brought into a very complex set of religious things that divide us. Oh, he's more reformed. Oh, she's more Arminian. Oh, that person's a Presbyterian. Well, we can't hang out with a Methodist, my goodness. And guess what the enemy has done? He's divided us. We need to lay down these things from Babylon and we need to return to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is our simple love for Jesus Christ, our devotion to him. All those who call on Jesus in spirit and in truth are members of the family of God. And we need to to let the Lord lead us out of this place to a new place. Now, somebody has been praying for national leadership. I won't get into all this, but you've got to understand, I love the role that I play, but I have what's called a metron spiritually. This is my metron, Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. I also have a metron that I share with other pastors in the region that's more of a regional metron. I don't have a national metron. I don't have a metron that's worldwide, but there are people who do. And we have been praying for God to raise up national leadership that would lead us together as the people of God. And I believe in this season he's doing just that. Here's the question. Will we follow? Or will we once again say, well, I don't really like the style of that. It's not really my thing. Well, I've heard that that man believes this. And when we somehow parse ourselves out again so that we are no longer united for the glory of God, I submit to you that I am one that is going to stand with the leadership that God is raising up. Because if not now, when? 
I want you to take a look at this little video. Jonathan Kahn is going to speak to us for two minutes, and this is talking about this season that we're entering into called The Return. Jonathan Kahn is a Messianic rabbi, and he is one of the leaders that God has raised up. He's also a prophet. So for those of us who are uncomfortable with the prophetic voice, you may hear some things where you get, well, I don't know about that. It's okay, keep listening to the Spirit. He's going to challenge us in a way that will help you understand at least in the next couple weeks. So let's watch this video. So please, be kind enough to say with me these words. Actually, would you stand up, please? Let's stand up together. I would like us to say these words several times together. You've heard the verse, but let's, let's say them as if we want to hear from God anew again. Let's say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will their land. Let's say it again, please. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. One more time, please. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Amen. You may be seated. So what I'd like you to do is make this a mantra for you. I'd like you to take this simple verse, 2 Corinthians seven fourteen, and I would like you to put it on the wall of your mirror in your bathroom. I'd like you to connect a little card you carry in your purse or in your pocket. I'd like you to be meditating on these verses ongoing. But I just want to point out to you again, it says, if my people... Let's get this settled right now. If you're in this room and you do not belong to Jesus Christ, if you are online and you do not belong to Jesus Christ, can I tell you something? There's never been a better time for you to put your faith in him. Why? Because now you know you can't trust anyone or anything else. You know, we've been swimming in this whole coronavirus thing, right? We have all these opinions on it, and it's definitely a disease. I'm not doubting that at all. It's definitely taking people's lives. But can I tell you, does anybody really know anything about this disease? Does anybody really know anything about the statistics? Have you tried to figure it out yet? You will drive yourself crazy. You know, we, we really don't know where to look for answers today except to God. So if you're here today, and if you're online and you don't know Jesus Christ, you can change that right now. You can make a decision for Christ right now. It's that easy because he's longing for you to join his family. He's longing for you to give up your ways and take up his ways. He loves you so much. He's so devoted to seeking you out that right now you are hearing these words. And now is an opportunity for you. So I'm going to ask those of us who are in Christ to pray right now. You can go ahead and bow your heads and pray. And those of us who may not know Jesus, I just want to kind of talk to you now. I want to encourage you to, in your heart, say a simple prayer. You don't have to say the words that I say. You can speak to God however you feel called to. But it might go something like this. Lord Jesus Christ, I acknowledge before you that I am a sinner. 
I accept your gift of salvation through your blood shed on the cross for me. I invite you into my heart, Lord Jesus. I ask that you would make my heart your home. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Make me the person that you've intended me to be all along. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just say that prayer for the first time, if you just committed your life to Jesus Christ, if you just ask him into your heart, everything has changed for you. Can I tell you something? I said that prayer or a prayer like it over 36 years ago because I called in to the 700 Club on television. Anybody remember the 700 Club? Yes, Jesus uses the 700 Club. And I was into all this like occult stuff. I was into rebirthing and new age stuff and contemplating my navel. And the woman on the television was talking about how evil that was. And I was deeply offended. So I called in and I, I said, well, I want you to know something. You're, you're, that's, not, that's not evil. Like, that's good stuff. And she said, oh, honey, I don't even know what's on the TV. I was like, what? She said, oh, I don't even know what's on the TV. She said, but would you be willing to pray with me? And I felt the spirit of God pressing on me. I was scared. I didn't want to become a lunatic. Look at me now. I'm a lunatic for Jesus. Amen. He brought me back at a great price. He's redeemed me. I am his son. I'm deeply loved, fully pleasing, totally forgiven, accepted, and complete in Christ Jesus. I am a son of the most high God. And if you just said that prayer online or out here, if you said any prayer like that, and you've invited Jesus Christ into your heart, guess what? That's true of you now. Amen. You are deeply loved, fully pleasing, totally forgiven, accepted and complete in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he has washed you with his blood. Jeff, how could that be? I'm so wicked inside. It has nothing to do with who you are or what you've done. It has everything to do with what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. When he said it is finished, it's finished, man. He's the God of all creation. He's the one who created every single one of us. And he's the one we need to turn to now together. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Anybody agree with me by show of hands, our land needs healing. How many are ready to return? The scripture promises, if you return to me, I will return to you. As a matter of fact, every year in the Jewish calendar, the Jewish people had a season to return. It's called a season of repentance and a return to Yahweh. Every year, this season came to the Jewish people. It's called the month of Elul. And this is an accounting of the soul. Now look, I want you to understand something. This was in the context of a season called Teshuvah, which is the return or the repentance. So... It was a full month in the Jewish calendar where people could return and repent to God. We are in this season now. If you do not know this, literally and figuratively, we are right now snap in the middle of the month of Elul. 
We are in the season of Teshuvah, which means the season of returning and to give an accounting of the soul. This is called repentance. Scripture says in Lamentations, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Can you say that with me? Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Again, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Do you have work to do? I do. Can I tell you what I love about Jesus is that he takes me a little bit ahead of you each time we start a new season. This season is a little different than any other season I think I've been a part of. But I got to tell you, in the last three or four weeks, I've been mopping up some relationships. I've been going with people that I really don't want to meet with and weeping with them. Why? Because Jesus is pressing on me. He's pressing on me. He's saying, it's time to return to me. It's time to repent. It's time to get clean. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. We're currently in that season. Now, this season um, also includes in it the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, which is called the Feast of the Trumpets, and then the Day of Atonement. They happen to be on September 18th and September 28th. You can see them at the little bottom there. I know this is hard to see, but 918 through 928, if you see that, 918 is Rosh Hashanah. That means the head of the year. Rosh Hashanah literally means that. To the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. That was the day that the priest would go in and offer sacrifice for the sins of the people for the year. The 10 days in between are referred to as the 10 days of awe. That word awe can be translated as the 10 days of fear. This was an opportunity, a final opportunity at the year's end for people to repent, for people to turn back to God. If you look carefully at this illustration, you're going to see a little picture of a man with a horn. You see that? That's called a shofar. And the shofar is mentioned 72 times in Scripture alone. Uh, or it's referenced in such a way. Sometimes it most often says trumpets or it says blow the horns. But if you look at the original language, it's the words shofar. Listen to Leviticus 25.9. Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the 10th day of the seventh month. Listen, on the day of atonement, boom, 9.28, sound the trumpet throughout all the land. Revelation 8.6. Now the seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared to blow them. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the den will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. Did you know that the shofar was blown at the wedding feast, often by the groom? It was to call the whole village to run to the wedding feast in the middle of the night. We'll talk more about this. But you know he had prepared a room in his father's house for his bride? This is in Galilean history. The bridegroom would be preparing a room in his father's house for his bride, and he would blow the trumpet, and then the father would say, go get your bride, and he would run and bring his bride back to his father's house. Do you realize the trump shall sound in like a heartbeat, and Jesus will come for you? I mean, are you excited about that? <laughs> Is anybody like ready to go now? Oh, oh my gosh. 
If you're not, seek God in this. Read the scriptures. Understand what it means that you're going to be in heaven with the Lord forever and that one day he's returning for you. That's your bridegroom coming for his bride. And guess what? He's excited to come for you. He is like so pumped to come for us together. And that trump will sound. You see, the shofar was blown in such a way that it showed things to the people of Israel. It's actually referred to as the voice of the Lord or the sound of God. Now, I'm going to try and blow it for you today. I can't guarantee it's going to sound like the voice of God. I haven't played trumpet for 45 years, and I just got this thing this week. But I, I want to you understand something. This, this is an instrument of war. Anybody remember the walls of Jericho? What did they do? Blew trumps. And they shouted. And the walls fell down. And there's three types of basic shofar calls. One called the takia, one called the shaviram, and the teruah. These are all different types of shofar calls. And then there's one called the Takiyah Gadola, which is like the grand shofar call. Um, I'm going to kind of demonstrate some of these for you, hopefully, and then you can understand a little bit. How are we doing? we mic'd up here? Are we good to go? So um, pray for me, because I don't know what this is going to sound like. It might sound like a raspberry, and if it does, the grace of God will cover this, right? Um, so there are short tones or medium tones that mean wake up. Wake up. Say that. Wake up. All right, so I'm going to try and blow you a short tone or a tequila. Those are wake up tones. Wake up tones. Now, the shorter tones, staccato tones that are kind of pitched really quickly after each other, and this is weeping. So say, wake up. Wake up. Say, weep. weep. Listen, this is the weep. It's weeping. Now listen, wake up, weep, war. Say war. war. Listen, war cry. war cry. So I want you to think about these calls. I want you to understand what God is saying to us through the shofar, through his voice. He's saying this, people of God, wake up. People of God, weep. People of God, it's time to go to war. I believe that's what the Lord is saying to us right now. I believe he is saying, and by the way, I know in the age of COVID, this could be really strange. So if you don't want to touch this, you can't. But I'm just going to hand that to someone if you want. And then you can pass that around. And you can look. Don't blow it, please. Yeah, it's a good thing I said that. If you want to, you know, you can pass that around a bit. This is the horn of a kudu. That's called a Yemenite shofar. And then there's the horn of a ram. It's a ram's horn. Um, these were different shofars blown at different times and in different places. But you have to understand again what the Lord is calling to us. He's calling us to wake up. He's calling us to weep. And he's going us, calling us to go to war. God is speaking to us this way today. And this will be the focus of our time for the next five weeks. And ongoing. 
I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Nehemiah with me as we look at these three words. Now, you understand what was happening. Nehemiah was a man called by God to rebuild. I believe that there are many people, men and women of God, who have been called by God to rebuild in, in the church of Jesus Christ. I believe our walls have been broken down. That's our walls of fellowship. And I believe we, we need to return to Jerusalem. Remember, the people of God were exiled into Babylon. There was a remnant that came back and rebuilt the temple. But the temple wasn't safe. The people of God were not safe. Why? Because the walls were laying in rubble. The walls were laying in rubble. Now, I really believe that that temple of God is symbolic of our relationship with the Lord. Because don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've been, you know, been bought at a price. You're not your own. Therefore, honor God with your body, the scripture says. We are the temple of God. But those walls, those walls of protection are our fellowship with each other. They're the unity that Jesus calls us to. It's so important. Jesus prayed a prayer for us. Father, make them one as you and I are one. May they be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know. So Nehemiah, son of Halakiah, we're going to look at verse 1, chapter 1, and we're going to go forward. It says, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. Now, some of us, some of them had gone back into exile. Some of them were still there. But he asked the question, what is the state of our people? What is the condition of their souls? What is the state of home? What is it like there? He cared enough to ask. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province. They're in great trouble and disgrace. People of God, are we in great trouble and disgrace in our culture right now? The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. You see, Nehemiah cared enough to ask. He cared enough to weep. And as we'll see, he cared enough to go to war. Listen to his words. Then I said, Lord... The God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to the heart of prayer of your servant is praying before the day and night before your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Um, verse 8, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you will return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them back to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was the cupbearer to the king. I won't get into all the details of what it means to be a cupbearer. But you want to understand something. We're just talking about three things here today. Nehemiah cared enough 
about the condition of his people and the land to ask. He cared enough to weep and he cared enough to wage war. Now, if you read the book of Nehemiah, and I would strongly encourage you to do so, it didn't just stop at prayer. It continued in prayer that manifested itself in action. And that's how, as the people of God, we need to walk. But we need to hear a fresh word from God as to how to do that. So we're going to move on. Nehemiah cared enough to ask. He said to his brothers, I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said, things are not going well. He inquired as to the true condition of his homeland. And the news was not good. Nehemiah did not want to live with his head in the sand. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times I just don't want to turn on the news at all. Anybody say amen to that? And by the way, there are times where you shouldn't turn on the news. But I remember a godly man years ago said, you have to hold the Bible on one hand and the newspaper in the other. And he said, you ought to be returning to the Bible five to ten times more than you're reading the newspaper. But you have to read the newspaper. Why? So you can be aware of what's going on around you. Nehemiah cared enough to ask. Now, I understand that reality is depressing. And we don't want to become absorbed and overwhelmed by the state of the world. But we do need to look long and deep enough to weep. To weep. So I'm going to take a brief glimpse just together today, shall we? Now before I go any further, I want to say this. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about abortion. If you're here today and you've had an abortion... If you've participated in an abortion in any way, if you've encouraged somebody else to get an abortion, if you've actually performed an abortion, can I tell you something? The grace of God is sufficient to cover you and the blood of Jesus Christ has forgiven you of all of your sin. Can I tell you that we are not here to throw stones? Why? Because if we threw stones, we wouldn't be listening to Jesus because the ground is level at the foot of the cross and we stand with you and for you in Christ Jesus. Your sin is no greater than ours. So I just want to proclaim that because you have to understand as I talk about difficult things today, if any of these things are true about you, the enemy is only going to smack you up in the head and make you feel deep-rooted shame because of your past sin. Can I tell you something? Whenever Satan reminds you of your past, you just go ahead and remind him of his future, okay? Because you know what's going to happen to him. He's going to be cast into the lake of fire. Jesus has already defeated him and he knows it and he hates it. But we're going to start and talk about abortion. So let's take a look at the reality. Since Roe versus Wade, 61,628,584 unborn children have been murdered. 61,628,584 unborn children have been murdered in the womb. That is 20% of the population of the United States. A recent report shows that in just three years, the number one perpetrator, Planned Parenthood, has received $1.5 billion in taxpayer funding. $1.5 billion of our money, God's money, has gone to assist in this slaughter. 
Planned Parenthood was founded by a racist who believed in eugenics. Her name is Margaret Sanger. And every year, Planned Parenthood gives away a Margaret Sanger award to their most prized employee. Margaret Sanger had it in her heart to wipe out the minorities and the impoverished. She said these things. She spoke at KKK rallies. She said so much that she wanted to wipe out the minorities and these populations. And most Planned Parenthood clinics to this day are located in neighborhoods of poverty and minorities. In the last few years, an organization called Center for Medical Progress, founded by a man named David DeLaden and a woman named Sandra Merritt, they were courageous in trying to expose some of the atrocities of Planned Parenthood. They went out with videos and they actually did investigative journalism to help find out that Planned Parenthood was actually, in fact, selling parts of aborted babies. They got this on tape, they got this on video, and they broadcast it to the world. Prosecutors and judges in California are moving forward with felony charges against David and Sandra. Not because they were part of this, but because they went behind the scenes with video and audio to expose it. Planned Parenthood to this day has not faced one charge for their morally reprehensive and absolutely illegal actions. Can I make you really mad? Planned Parenthood has faced no charges for their crimes, and David and Sandra have had to pay $2 million in damages back to Planned Parenthood for doing what God called them to do, bringing what's hidden in the darkness into the light. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who, are, who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Amen. Anyone ready to cry yet? Can we take a minute and pray for David and Sandra now? Would you be kind enough to join me for that? Lord, we lift David and Sandra to you now. We don't know them, but you know everything about them. And Lord, I can tell by listening to them that they are your messengers, that you have appointed and anointed them to bring those things that hide in the darkness into the light. So we ask now in the name of Jesus Christ that your Holy Spirit would move over these prosecutors, over these judges now in the name of Jesus, and that righteousness would prevail. And let evil would be uprooted in such a way, Lord God, that we would give all honor, all glory, and all praise to you and to you alone. Bring protection to David and Sandra. Bring your people around them, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So that's just, you know, one thing. What about racism and hate crimes? What about political divisiveness? We got any of that going on? How about children hitting their teachers in schoolrooms? Have you seen the videos? Have you seen videos of, of children throwing desks across the room at their teachers? What about destruction of property? What about the riots that have recently broken out across the country that have resulted in hundreds of millions of dollars of damages? And not only that, but it's the property damage to law-abiding citizens and the bodily harm, the loss of human life associated with this riots. A recent video from Kenosha, Wisconsin, shows a man named Robert in his mid-70s trying to protect the store that he worked at. The looters had set a fire in a mattress store, and he was trying to put the mattress out. And it shows one of the looters knocking him out cold and then kicking him in the head. Anybody ready to cry yet? 
How about the 30 families and their sick children that were in the Ronald McDonald house in Chicago? And looters decided to break into the door, break the door down and the windows out of the house. And these little sick children who are suffering from cancer at a Ronald McDonald house are hiding in the house, huddled with their parents, afraid for their very lives. The looters did not allow a two-year-old with cancer to even leave the building. Are you ready to cry yet? 2 Timothy 3 says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The scripture says, have nothing to do with such people. The list of atrocities goes on. Millions sexually abused, human trafficking, divorce rates, fatherless homes. Anybody ready to cry yet? Why do we have to weep, many people say? Why do we have to weep? Can't we just go from waking up to war? No. We can't. You know why? Because when you weep with God, you get passionate about the things that God is passionate about. And that's what we've lacked in the people of God. We've lacked passion. Why? Because we are sleeping. And we need to wake up. We need to hear the trump sound in such a way that we pay attention and that we ask the right questions and that we allow God to waken our hearts. Listen, you can't wake up on your own. Only Jesus Christ can wake you up. Are you able to get on your face before him and say, God, please wake me up, even if it means I have to weep? Now, look, I'm not talking about waking up and going into a deep depression for six months. That's not what I'm talking about. Because in the Lord, when he takes you into pain, he takes you through the pain and he gives you vision and mission. This is called holy discontent. This is why I am before you now. God stirred a holy discontent in my heart 36 years ago for the church of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you something? It's still burning. Do I get discouraged? Absolutely. Do I feel dejected at times? Do I want to quit? Absolutely. But you know what? He will not relent. Will he relent in you? He won't. Just participate with him. See, Nehemiah cared enough to ask and to look, to ask for the true state of his people. And then he cared enough to cry. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. Listen to what he said. He mourned, he fasted, and he prayed to the God of heaven for days. It even says night and day. So some of you might go, Jeff, you know, I've heard all these statistics. I didn't really come to church to get depressed. I mean, what does all of this have to do with me anyway? I mean, I haven't done any of these things you've talked about, or maybe I've participated a little bit, but it doesn't really have a whole lot of relevance to my life. Can I quote to you Edmund Burke? All that is needed for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do absolutely nothing. I'm going to say that again. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. In Nehemiah, he confesses the sins of his fathers and of his own family. They had allowed the wall to be torn down, the protection for the city of God. What have we allowed 
Do you ever think that we might be in this place because the church of Jesus Christ has taken a back seat? Did we abdicate our responsibility to come to making the word of God known? Have we moved ourselves from the mainstream so that Hollywood and politicians have dictated the course of our culture? Have we been so preoccupied with our own comfort and our own leisure that we've not thought enough about what we're leaving for generations to come, the legacy that we're leaving them? Have we not stood up to the bullies in our culture who want to advance an evil agenda in our elementary schools, in our middle schools, in our high schools, and oh my, in our colleges? And in our public workplaces, have we just stood back and in doing so, have we facilitated these acts of debauchery? Have we not boldly warned them about what happens when we defy God and his word and his way for our lives? Have we just stood by as children have been literally hacked up in the womb by the millions? Have we idly stood by while our girls have been sexualized and objectified and while our boys have been insulted in the name of toxic masculinity? Have we gasped in awe when we heard of things like sex changes and same-sex marriages and all forms of debauchery, but say nothing to those who might hear and make a difference? Have we lost our boldness? Have we used our voices on the platforms of social media media without first crying out to God and in strength and in mass confronting our elected officials about the decisions they are making? Have we given way to political correctness, and in effect allowed Satan to muzzle us and keep us in a corner. Again, it's been said that all that needs to happen for evil to succeed is for people to do nothing. Is this what we've done? Nothing? Do we plan on continuing to do nothing? Are you ready to cry now? Let's talk about what keeps us from crying. You know, one, we've already talked, living in denial about the true state of our souls, the true state of our land. So if we just kind of like ignore it, then it really does, it's not there. I don't have to weep if I don't see it. I don't have to weep if I don't get in touch with it. I don't have to weep if I don't go into the city of York and help the homeless. I don't have to weep if I don't talk to my brother or sister who's black and feeling oppressed in our culture. I don't have to understand and therefore I don't have to weep. So we can just live in denial about it. That's one reason we don't weep. And here's another reason we don't weep, because we stay numb and insensitive. We have been desensitized. A lot of people think, well, I don't know if I really want to be one of those sensitive guys. I don't know if I really want to be one of those sensitive guys. Can I tell you something? If you have the heart of God, you must be sensitive. You have to have a soft heart. Now, you have to have a thick skin, but you've got to have a soft heart. And that heart bleeds for the things that God's heart bleeds for. That's why Nehemiah sat down and wept. He heard the condition, and the first thing he did is he sat down and sobbed. Why? Because he was a sensitive man. He wasn't a wimp. He was a warrior for the kingdom of God. But can I tell you something? Warriors weep even louder. Why? Because the passion of God wells up in our hearts, and it propels us to do the work of God. What does the scripture have to say about being sensitive? I'm going to point you to this verse in Ephesians. Listen. 
So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. That's those in the world. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and have separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Period. Listen. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to every form of sensuality with a continual lust for more. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned, children of God. Can I tell you a reason why more of us aren't weeping? Is because we have given ourselves over to every form of sensuality with a continual lust for more. Now, some of you are hearing that and going, oh, isn't it horrible that people are into lustful sexual things? Yes, that is horrible, but that's not what the word sensuality means. It actually covers that. But sensuality is anything having to do with your senses. It's anything that you use to numb yourself out. So it can be something like this. Um, How about your work? How about alcohol? How about food? How about shopping? Some of you just said, Jeff, don't go there. (laughs) Shopping's all I have during the pandemic. Don't touch that. Can I tell you something? God wants to touch all that stuff. He wants to put it all in the right place. You see, what happens is we get numb because we bear ourselves under all this sensuality and we've lost all sensitivity. So we just kind of try and kind of coddle ourselves and warm our own souls by actually using these things to mask our true condition. And God says, no, I want you to weep with me. I want you to wail with me so you can become passionate and bold for the kingdom of God. Why do you think the word fasting isn't here? When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Now, during this season, we're going to challenge you to fast with us. I'm sure some of you have never really done that. And I've got to tell you, in all of these things, I'm just an infant. But what is fasting? It's taking away the things of the world so that you would get closer to God. Now, look, when you take away stuff that you've been using to push down what you're feeling, all that stuff is going to rise up to the surface. Guess what? When I fast, you know what I feel? I feel anger. Why? Because sometimes I've been pushing down my anger. Guess what? When I fast, I feel deep sadness. Why? Because I've been pushing down that sadness with what? Food, work, TV, phones. Thank you. My sister just held up her phone. Do you know this is called a cell phone for a reason, right? Do you ever think that somehow a prison cell might be connected to your cell phone? It's called a cell phone. Cell phone. So anything that you are relying on, it may be keeping you numb. Now, let me just propose to you one thing, that we take away two substances in our culture in mass, caffeine and sugar. Can you imagine if we took away caffeine and sugar in mass? It would be like the tales of the crypt. I mean, it would be like walking in a zombie land. You know, the people are walking around, no sugar, no caffeine. Like, we pump ourselves up with this stuff, but I'm just saying that you've got to understand something. We are always depending on something or someone. The question is, are you depending on the Lord Jesus Christ? And are you willing to enter into a season of fasting, praying, and mourning? This is where we are, folks. So Nehemiah cared enough to ask about the true condition of his homeland. He cared enough to cry and fast before God. And he cared enough to go to war. Listen, 
Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for the people of Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. People of God, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't fight with the weapons of the world. But we have been given spiritual weapons that are endowed with power from God to break down every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to Christ Jesus. So let me help you with a little lead time. We're going to be moving into a time of repentance as the people of God. This is not a Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury thing. This is a national, even a global thing. We are entering into the days of awe before God and we are to look to his awesomeness and fall on our faces before him and allow him to scrub out our souls. So here's what we're called to do. We got to start with us. Every sin stems from a lie, something you believe. You must hear from God. And when you hear a word from God, you must allow that word to actually move in your life in such a way that you trust him to repentance. Repentance literally means a turning. You turn away from your ways to God's way. And now is the time for you to do this in an unprecedented way. If you've been playing around with some things for years, let me tell you, now is the time to repent. Let me talk to you guys out there and gals because it's no longer just a guy thing. You struggle with pornography. You know I open, I talk openly about this. That in my life, I was deeply bound by pornography. Now can I tell you, when God laid me on my butt 36 years ago about that, can I tell you, he said, you must do everything you can to repent. What does that mean? Throw out your computer. Oh, Jeff. You throw out my computer, I gotta work. Go to the library. Oh, that's not open. All right, get a friend. I don't know. Do something. Tell other people about your problem. It doesn't have to. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's food. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is for you. But now is the time for you to get serious about turning to God. Don't keep playing around with things. Do you understand? A moth flits around a flame. You know, moths, they kind of flit around flames. Do you know what a, a bug zapper is, Right? You know those moths and those little bees and those little gnats? They get attracted to that thing. Why? Because it looks like light. Really ought to kill them. Can I tell you something? If you're flitting around with sin, wake up. Weep. Go to war. Do everything you can. Find another brother or sister in Christ. Turn to the Lord. Turn back to the Lord. It is now time for us to repent together, people of God. And stop playing around and stop being numbed by the things of this world. Now look, I'm saying these words and I know they mean something for me. And I tremble. Because my flesh doesn't want to repent. But greater is he who lives in me than he who is in the world. Can I tell you the greatest weapon that we have is the weapon that Nehemiah chose. It's this weapon right here. Humble yourself before the Lord that he might lift you up. Now look, you have a 
little extra space between your rows. If you feel called to do this with me today, at the end of our time as I call out the worship team, I would encourage you to get on your knees, okay? Now, I know some of you can't get on your knees, that's fine. If you want to go over there and get on your knees, that's fine too. Feel free, this is the house of God, you can do anything you want here, okay? But here's the truth, if you're not in a posture of humility physically, please in your heart get in a posture of humility before God now. It's a posture and a time of self-examination. Listen to James 4.10. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Do you hear it? Return to him and he will return to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Can you say that with me? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Again, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Let's pray together. Will you submit yourself to God with me now? Will you resist the devil in grief and mourn and wail? Will you humble yourselves before God? Will you weep over the state of the church and the state of our country? Will you feel the pain in the heart of God over where we are? (laughs) People of God, we got to stop playing around. Lord of heaven you're a great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love please remember what you've told your servants that if we return to you you will return to us but if we're unfaithful you will scatter us among the nations we have been in exile Lord your promise is you will bring us back to the place you have chosen for your name to be honored We come before you now, God. And we ask that today would be the beginning of a return. We pray for our brothers and sisters across this nation and across this planet. God, we pray for the breaking of hearts that comes from a great awakening across this land. That your Holy Spirit would sweep this land in such a way that your name would be glorified by the humbling of your people. Father, help this not just to be a Sunday service. Help us to be a new beginning for us in which we walk in repentance. Lord, if we are flitting around the bug zapper, help us to do everything we can, Lord God, to throw off this sin that so easily entangles us and hinders us and let us run the race that is set before us, God. For the days are dark and the hour is short, God, but you are faithful. You are faithful. We count on your faithfulness, Lord Jesus. We count on you to do what only you can do. We thank you. And we do pray this all in the precious name of Yeshua, the chosen one, the Lamb of God, who spilled his blood for us, that we now are the people who are called by your name. We pray this in his name. And all God's people said,
Amen. Grace Fellowship Church, I want you to know that Nehemiah counted on the grace and love of God. And the grace of love of God is sufficient for us to be awakened again. So this is what I want you to know. Um, that we are walking in a different season here at Grace and these cards are available for you. And what I'd like for you to do is make sure that you take one of these on the way out. If not, this information is on the website. And at Grace, we're going to have a night here starting the 10 days of all on September 18th, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of the Trumpets. And this will be a night where we're dedicating ourselves to the Lord together. Now, we're inviting those in the region to this as well. We don't know what the Lord's going to do, but we're going to trust him for that. On the 20th, of, uh, of, we're going to have communion, marking that on that Sunday. And then Monday through Friday of that week, we're going to have daily sacred gatherings here at Grace at noon and at 7 o'clock. Now, again, we want to ask you to come to this as much as you can. The card will lay it out more. Then on Saturday, the 26th, we're going to have from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., the simulcast of the return from Washington, D.C. We realize that what's happening is that all these Christian leaders are coming together, and at the same time, Franklin Graham is marching thousands of people up and down the mall to pray. God is bringing together his leadership, the leadership we've asked for. We'll have Sunday services again, and then on Monday, that Monday, we're going to have a celebration for the Day of Atonement. We are looking for an outside venue for that to happen, and we want to invite all of our regional partners and those in the kingdom of God to come together for a time on the Day of Atonement. So please be praying for these things. And please, please, wake up. Let God break your heart so that you might weep. And stay on your faces before him daily. Wage war. On the return website, there's a daily prayer devotional. There's also a five-day cycle that you can get into that shows you prayer patterns. Consider going there and praying some of those things. And if, if you all pray together the same things, the Lord will hear our cries. Father, thank you that you are the faithful one, the one in whom we can trust. We submit ourselves to you now. Lord, really, your direction is clear. We need to seek you so that we wake up, so we weep, and so we go to war effectively. It's time for us to change our ways, Lord. Help us to return to you, that you would return to us. None of us really know what that means for the future, but we know today what it means. Help us to cry out. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and close with a final We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.